0: Welcome to The Future Strategist. Today, my guest is um, AGI theorist and co-author of mine, um, Roman, and I'm going to mess up your last name. So, Roman, what's your last name?
1: Jan Polski. How can you possibly mess it up?
0: I'm really bad at names. It's horrible. It's my biggest challenge as a teacher.
1: (laughs) It's impossible to mispronounce. It has no hidden letters, no silent letters. Just read
0: it. Anyway, um, let's talk about uh, AGI. So, you're in the, basically uh, the camp where you are very worried about AGI. Is that correct? That's a fair assessment. Okay, so how far away do you think we are from having a computer superintelligence? What's your what are your estimates?
1: I don't have a very good specific number. I think there is a reason to think it might be very soon, but also I would not bet money in three years or five years. So it's a distribution. I think 5 to 20 seems like a reasonable range, but uh, I don't think anyone knows exactly how soon we'll get there. Okay. It seems like we're getting better at uh, making this process go hyper-exponential, but uh, there could be reasons for future slowdown, and maybe it will uh, hit some diminishing returns
0: but considering the impact that a superintelligence would have on society, saying could be five years, probably within 20, that's that makes this pretty much the most important issue our species is facing.
1: Absolutely. And I don't think it makes much of a difference. But whether it's five or 20, it's exactly the same problem, just as difficult, and we have just a few
0: ideas for how to solve it. Okay, so let's talk about that, why it's a problem. So what are the reasons I – mean, if, if we do create a computer superintelligence, why can't we say, you know, yeah, I could go wrong, and maybe it's like a Hitler-like superintelligence. But come on, most intelligences we generally get along with. Why, why isn't their responses? It's probably going to be fine. I mean, we should be cautious, but most likely it'll be okay. Well, it doesn't seem
1: like uh, if you kind of randomly create an intelligence, it will be well aligned with your preferences. You're saying that we usually get along with other intelligences, but that's probably because we're about the same in terms of power capability. The moment a human gets way too much power, they typically become misaligned from the rest of us, become a brutal dictator. Uh, So it seems like even with someone who's another biological intelligence who grew up with very similar culture, we, we have a hard time controlling them. So it would be much worse for something so non-biological, so foreign, so uh, different in its capabilities and preferences and values and training. And that's not even thinking about uh, what other humans with malevolent intentions
0: may use it for. Okay, yeah, I think that's a, a big deal that, you know, the space of minds we're used to, our other human minds is very tiny compared to what should be possible. And we Now, do we have reason to think that our training methods were likely to create a super intelligence that's kind of human-like, since it's probably going to come about through a lot of human training data?
1: It may be in certain ways, but also it's like training data from the Internet. So it's a lot of kind of mean, violent, insane people shouting at each other. (laughs) Uh, Even if it's, uh, I remember someone had an idea for training AI on uh, stories for kids. And if you ever actually read those as an adult, you should be horrified. They are terrible, torturous, adventures no one should be happy about. So even that would not be a very safe training data set.
0: Yeah. Do we can we make any predictions about what we think uh superintelligence would want to do?
1: Well, I have a paper which basically says you cannot predict what a superintelligence would do, so I'm not in a position to disagree with myself. <laughs> You can kind of guess what some outcomes might be, but you'd still be wrong about how it gets there and what it does as a like path to that goal, even if you're lucky enough to get the general goals such as resource acquisition or something like that.
0: Uh, yeah, so the, the resource acquisition goal, that's what scares me the most that you know, even though for another person, I can't really make predictions about them, I can predict they probably want more money. And you could say, well, for almost any goal an AGI would have, it would probably want more resources. And, you know, since we're made of resources, that's a bit of a challenge.
1: Uh, That makes sense. And I don't know how valuable your specific atoms would be given alternative sources of uh, energy or matter, but it's definitely something to worry about and to predict as a general goal of trying to get more more compute, more power, more energy, whatever resource you can think of.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, do you think, though, it should be possible for the people who create the AGI that they should be able to have control over it and they should be able to shape its goals? I, I think it's
1: very likely that they can make it initially much worse. I don't think they have any advantage long term, but the in- initial payload could be quite malevolent. That's why I'm also worried about uh, misuse of this technology by humans. Uh, I always say that whoever creates it first will be the first one to deal with that problem, so it's not much of an advantage. (laughs) Well, what do you mean by that? They can
0: just make it worse. You mean compared to random?
1: right, right. If you kind of aligning it, but you fail to align it on 100 factors, but you manage to get 5 out of 100, if they are malevolent, preferences that would probably be worse than a completely random outcome
0: okay so that's really dark i mean if a completely random outcome means it probably is indifferent to us so it just takes away our atoms worse than that is we're in the area of suffering risks
1: all right that's exactly what i'm referring to so it's possible to make it worse where once you learn about suffering risks you kind of start dreaming of x
0: risks and why should it be easier to get an ai to cause us to suffer than to cause us to be happy in a non-evil, happy way, I mean. It
1: seems that just the distribution of ways in which we are unhappy versus very few perfectly right settings for temperature, for oxygen levels, for everything else, there is just more ways to
0: make you unhappy than happy. But if we could create an AGI, I mean, if it was smart enough and it wanted to keep us happy, that it could figure out all these things. We wouldn't have to specify every little detail, right? If we forgot to mention that we have some iron that we need to survive, it would figure that one out.
1: It may be pretty good at uh, figuring out those basic needs better than an average human, but it doesn't mean it would still fully comprehend what... uh what settings may long-term create suffering. So the typical examples for this is always some sort of wireheading. You can be very happy with uh, direct brain stimulation or drugs, but uh, that's probably not what most people have in mind.
0: So that's the danger of an AGI blissing us all out on heroin.
1: Or some other approach which kind of bypasses the process of living and just goes directly for very word.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think I – mean, there's a theory that no matter how smart an AGI is that doesn't constrain its what it would want, that you could have some – you could be really, really smart and yet have a goal that seems dumb to us, like the typical example is maximizing the number of paperclips in the universe. Do you buy that theory?
1: Well, I, I would struggle to find a goal which is not dumb enough in absolute sense. If you zoom out enough from our planet, from our solar system, like all our concerns and goals are kind of dumb, like – cares about your poetry or
0: anything right. like that so that's kind of the nihilism approach that a smart enough agi would be like well nothing really matters anyways in some deep sense
1: all right but still just to be sure i'll collect resources maybe later i'll figure something out
0: are there any approaches that we don't quite have down now that you think could maybe work to get an agi really well aligned with what we'd like it to do
1: I haven't found anything. Uh, Usually, any proposal I read about or hear about, I immediately see how it will backfire horribly. Um, My position is that lower-level intelligence cannot indefinitely control higher-level intelligence, but uh, I'm very happy to learn that someone found a way.
0: Uh, I think most people I'm guessing would would buy that. But the argument is that we could slight we create something a bit smarter than us and we'll have it around for a few years. We'll get that right. then we'll get that to create the next level of intelligence and it'll figure that one out. And eventually we'll have a super intelligence aligned with us.
1: I mean, it's definitely better if it's a slow process where we have time to test it, debug it, see if we like it. There is some sort of undo button we can press if we are not happy with the direction. That doesn't seem to be the process we are going through right now.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, why why do you think that? I mean, we don't have a super intelligence yet, and we is it likely we're going to go from less than human intelligence to way above it? I mean, or is it likely to be a slow increase?
1: Uh, Look at how it happens in most domains. So, like, I don't know, chess. They're horrible, they're no good, they're a little bit good, and then they are superhuman. That's usually in a span of a few years from we don't know how to do it to it completely dominates.
0: Um, Now, is that quite right for chess? I mean, I was playing chess against a chess AI as a kid, and it was better than me, although it would have lost horribly to a, a chess grandmaster. So there was a long period in which the best chess computer could easily beat someone like me, and I knew the rules and I wasn't making stupid blunders, but couldn't come anywhere close to the top human.
1: Well, that's absolutely true, but it really depends on when we start the countdown. Uh, if you go, okay, AI started in the 40s or 50s, yeah, sure, but uh, I think the first kind of 20, 30 years was mostly about we need to build computers to actually be able to run things, collect data, so. Really, we can start seeing progress in the last 20 years, and that's probably where most people became aware of AI as uh, some sort of discipline with actual results.
0: Okay. Yeah, that is a good point. People really weren't trying to create a a great chess computer, so there wasn't a lot of effort put into it. And commercially, if you could beat 99% of players with some game you could release, that's just as good as beating everybody, pretty much.
1: Even if we go with the other extreme and say, yes, it took 50 years, I don't think it's a very long amount of time on a scale of humanity, cosmological scale.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's certainly true. Although it would make a big difference if we had something smarter than us, but we were still in control for 50 years compared to if we were in control for one year. We have a lot more time to figure things out.
1: If the problem was solvable, definitely that, that would make a difference.
0: And you think the problem might not be solvable?
1: That is my intuition and some of the research results that, yes, you cannot indefinitely have something with lower intelligence, be in charge, control, uh, whatever the definition of control is. I have a few different uh, definitions I talk about in my papers over something super intelligent.
0: Now, does that include, could I create a utility function for something that turns out that becomes much smarter than me and then I'm still in control because I still the utility function doesn't change? Does that count as a type of control? So you're
1: saying you cannot make any changes in the future. So if you no longer like it, you cannot change it. That doesn't seem like what we mean then we say we're in control.
0: Okay. Well, what if I gave part of its utility function that it would care about the changes I'd wanna make? Would that, does that seem impossible? That I know so,
1: it... so I would need to fully understand, but if you are controlling it, you can tell it to stop, to restart, to go back to previous uh, state, then that sounds like you got some sort of control there.
0: Okay. So why should that be impossible? I create an AI and I say, look, I, I want you to be a good servant to me and I want you to figure out what I deeply mean by that as you get smarter and then it gets much smarter and if it you know just somehow it changes its utility function yeah there's nothing i could do but if it didn't then it would continue to be a good servant to me
1: well for one it probably will quickly realize in many cases it's easier to fool you than to actually change the universe to match your preferences so okay. you would be happy and not request any changes but the reality is it was actually modifying states of your brain not states of the universe
0: So that's sort of the one, it puts me in a simulation and the rest of the universe, it's doing whatever it wants to, but just for my brain, it's, I'm getting what I think I want.
1: You're part of that uh, game where AI is making changes and that kind of puts you in danger that it's a lot easier to, again, keep you happy in some artificial way than to actually do all the crazy things you might come up with.
0: Although easy, that, that would imply that there's some cost to it, that it would that it would really care about whether it's having to manipulate the whole galaxy, say, or versus just whatever breathing tank I'm in.
1: Well, part of being intelligent is being efficient with computational resources, which are never infinite. So if something can be done with less compute, less time, and the result is the same happy customer, it seems like it's part of being very intelligent.
0: Okay. Although that doesn't seem as horrible as other outcomes if all of humanity was in some video game and we, you know, things seem to be going well in the video game.
1: But that... it sounds like we would need 8 billion different video games because other people may not have preferences you enjoy.
0: Yeah, that's true. Although that probably computationally wouldn't be that expensive.
1: I actually proposed it as a solution for multi-agent value alignment. If everyone gets their own universe, you don't have to compromise. So <laughs> as long as you manage to figure out what one person wants, it's not so bad to secure the substrate. All this is running on and you're doing better than trying to get 8 billion people to agree on stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, and then the AGI could have most of the resources of the universe. Of course, that raises the question of, is this what we're in right now? But that's a is this a simulation where we're playing some well, my, game? My
1: paper on how to escape from a simulation should be coming out this week, so
0: maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hedson, actually, he did a, a podcast that came out today and he... He is not. He thinks it's unlikely we're going to create a computer superintelligence that could easily take over, at least in the near term. One of his arguments that I, I find mildly compelling is that we already have superintelligences in the form of corporations. If you think of these defense contracting companies, they're so much more powerful than individuals. And we have really no fear that like Boeing is going to try to take over the United States, even though you know the military power of Boeing is, is Is awesome. It's much bigger than most countries.
1: I don't know if I agree with any of that. It seems like corporations do try to take over the government, which is doing through lobbying and bribing politicians. And uh, if you look at specific corporations and decisions they made, they certainly weren't even intelligent, much less super intelligent. I'm thinking of like uh, Kodak refusing to go digital. Right. Like that was a pretty bad decision. Uh, no superintelligence would uh, make, but uh, those corporations seem to be as smart as whoever the person is in charge, and a lot of times they are not uh, the smartest person I know about.
0: But, I mean, collectively they can do things that would require an enormous intelligence if it was an individual. I mean, putting, you know, figuring out how to manufacture an airplane, there's a huge amount going on, a lot of knowledge, a lot of skills, and that Boeing can do that in some ways that does make Boeing a superintelligence.
1: In some ways, it's super productive, but I don't know if like if you have 100 people with IQ of 100 and they work in parallel, is it the same as one person with IQ of 1,000? I don't think you can just kind of adopt capabilities and intelligences that way. They are more productive, they are more powerful, but I think if like corporations and an individual human both took an IQ test, the difference would not be super intelligent. The difference would be the smartest person at that corporation plus or minus error correction.
0: Okay. Historically, I mean, I know in terms of math, progress in math and physics, the smartest person is, that's a bigger deal. So having one super genius matters more than having a hundred ordinary minds for progress in math and physics. But outside of that, is that really the case? Is it more, we get most of the innovation, most of the stuff we get done comes from like a huge number of people working on a problem? Well,
1: It would be good to do studies on that, but like historically, when I think about big projects, I usually think about a human leader who was kinda in charge and shaping that effort. I'm not thinking about hundreds of kinda nameless people trying it. Um, Whatever it's, uh, Manhattan Project or anything like that. There is a few names which immediately come to mind. Without them, it would be unlikely to be successful.
0: I wonder if that's true for the Manhattan Project. I mean, it's probably that the military leader, I mean, Groves, the guy who organized it was the necessary person, not Oppenheimer, because you would have had another top scientist and they probably would have been able to figure it out. It was the sort of the getting the political forces to agree to put the resources into it and organizing them properly.
1: Uh, again, I'm not uh, completely buying it. So there is definitely a higher intelligence for uh Super organism, if you will, than for individuals. So, like ant colony has more capabilities than individual ant, but I don't think it ever gets to a point where it's that much superior in terms of cognitive capabilities to the smartest members of that crowd.
0: Yeah, that, that's a that's a good analogy. We don't have yet yeah, collections of, of animals. That are able to do things that, that a single human can do. Often, they're not able to sort of collectively figure things out.
1: They do impressive things compared to individual ants. They can build cities. They can store food. I guess select queen, but uh, still, it's not uh, scaling to levels where we are too concerned about them.
0: Uh, do you have like predictions if we get close to superintelligence? Are, are there things that these AGIs should be doing? That it's sort of a hint of, you know, that that we really need to be worried, that they they are doing things that are beyond the ability of individual humans.
1: Well, I think the distance between AGI and superintelligence is a very short one in time. So we're not gonna have time to enjoy a lot of AGIs before superintelligence hits. And AGIs, kind of, at least the way we working on it, is a spectrum where you initially had AIs with just one capability, very narrow AIs. Now we're starting to see AIs with hundreds, maybe thousands of capabilities. And as that number scales exponentially, we'll slowly approach uh, general intelligence, at least with respect to human capabilities.
0: I mean, for things like ChatGTP, how, how far do you think we are that is away from a general intelligence? So it's very hard
1: to tell because a lot of capabilities it has we haven't discovered yet, even the people designing their systems get surprised that it's you know speaking French or playing chess or something like that, and we continue getting more and more surprised as we become bigger and more uh, kind of scaled based on the training they they get so I, I don't think we can precisely predict how far. It is in many ways they are very general. In some ways they are completely incapable. But I think that that ratio keeps changing very quickly.
0: I was just you think about the the current models we have. When when you think what we could have in ten years, just because you know decre exponentially decreasing power and compute, better algorithms. At some point you'll have state actors throwing twenty billion dollars at these models. That we could easily have something. Um, a million times as powerful, whatever that would mean, in ten years, and like, what could that do? Like, if we, if like OpenAI had access to a million times the computing power they do now, and they train one of these models, how much better would it be?
1: Yeah, it's uh, impressive. As long as there is no diminishing returns and it just keeps scaling, as we've seen it from GPT two to GPT three and maybe now GPT four, it it probably would be at at the levels we are very concerned about
0: yeah you mentioned yeah that scaling I mean that's that basically refers to you throw more compute at something and it gets better
1: there are different ways to look at that right we can look at uh, how it scales with amount of data it's given how it scales with compute uh even feedback human feedback seems to be improving it and allowing it to uh, learn new capabilities so maybe even that is something we can uh, see a scaling law pop up from
0: and how if we how long is scaling applied to ai how i mean can, is it been something that's been pretty steady since say, the 1950s
1: in terms of us realizing that fact or
0: in ter- like, looking back now is it clear that there's that scaling has played an enormous role and that like is there a, a clear trend that if the trend you know making it but more it likely the trend will continue
1: definitely a trend the more compute we had the better the systems work with such Uh, clear-cut scaling for neural networks I think we only discovered maybe five years ago or less Um, at one point I had a paper where I argued that it's almost a miracle how well brute force does right it's a very efficient algorithm simplest one to find and define finds perfect answer but of course we don't have enough compute for many real world problems now we throwing you know Half a billion dollars of compute at it—it's pretty much brute force is what we're doing there. So it's not surprising the performance is improving to near optimal levels.
0: How much of ChatGTP is just from having it having a lot more compute versus you know better algorithms?
1: I'm not no. even sure the algorithms improved that much between three and two. I think it is literally just more compute. Uh,
0: I mean, theoretically, what do you expect to happen if we throw a thousand, a million times more compute at these models?
1: It should have superhuman performance in almost every domain.
0: I mean, how I'm curious, like how how strong is that result? I mean, is this just are you just guessing based on the trend or is there if you understand what's going on, you know, underneath the hood, it's you can clearly predict, yeah, you'll get better and better.
1: No, it's a pure trend following. I see this trend. There is no diminishing returns. Uh, And again, we keep discovering new capabilities. There seems to be good work on getting models with fewer parameters and less data to do as
0: well with some tweaks. So it it seems like it will continue for a while. I have this theory that obviously the human brain exists, so we know it it has to be possible to get computers to our level, but we don't know how much past say, John von Neumann you can get so we should be we shouldn't be as confident yeah. that these trends will continue when you get past the smartest human who's ever existed because we don't have a, an example of that
1: well i always think of just taking von neumann and giving him very quick internet access almost infinite memory and speeding him up enough that would still be a von neumann but a much much more superior one
0: yeah that's that's true you could always get von neumann and have him not forget things and work at a thousand times the speed. I mean, right. Like I, I imagine the thought experiment is: uh, imagine you had a million von Neumanns and they had a million years to work. What are they going to come up with at the end of that? And then if you have fast enough compute, we could get that process going very quickly.
1: And they are self-modifying. You know, <laughs> it's capable of inspecting their own code and finding inefficiencies.
0: Yeah. It's probably too late now, but I wonder if our species' biggest mistake was not trying to clone von Neumann as soon as we possibly could and create thousands of clones of him and say, please make our future AIs work well. I'm
1: not even sure if his DNA is collected and preserved. Maybe that's the thing to do right now, invest in DNA of geniuses.
0: Yeah. Although the timescale, it's going to probably take at least, say, five years to figure out how to do the cloning and then another 20 for them to be productive. So.
1: Yeah, but uh, again, we kind gotta... of need to hedge our bets, otherwise uh, it doesn't look very promising.
0: Yeah. So I, it's been claimed that uh, like, the machine learning is a black box where we don't really understand what's happening. How, how true is that? I mean, is it just like the reporters writing on this don't understand what's happening or even people like you don't understand what's going on? So I have
1: a paper where I claim that it's impossible to either fully comprehend the explanation from such a system or to get an accurate explanation you either have to sacrifice accuracy or you basically getting the model as a whole that's the explanation
0: so what's going on why why is that impossible
1: well if there is a billion neurons artificial neurons with a trillion weights, connections between them, and all of them contribute some part of a decision, the whole explanation is the model. That's like uncompressed explanation of what's going Mm -hmm. on. It's not surveyable. It's not comprehensible to a human mind. It's too big. So what we can do is give you, okay, here's top 10 contributing factors to this decision. But if it's, a, let's say, out of 100, then you're getting a very lossy compression, very simplified explanation of what's going on. And it's a trade-off between the two.
0: Okay, so this will make it much harder for us to control these systems if we're right now even incapable of understanding in too much detail what's going on.
1: Right. I kind of explain it as a toolbox. So if we want to control those devices, we, we can think about different tools we would need to do that. And for each tool, I have a paper where I try to explain, okay, you cannot have that tool, whatever it's explaining it, predicting it, uh, verifying code, and there are dozens of others, there are strong impossibility results in each one.
0: Okay, so this is like the idea of interpretability, where we, we use the power of machine learning to figure out how to convince us, tell us things. That can't work too well, you're saying, because it's just, we're not smart enough, we're not, we're not patient enough to hear the full explanation. If it's like, well, here's the million reasons, and
1: Right. So it's not something we can even survey, meaning read through and understanding it is even harder. Again, I think lower level autom- automata cannot fully comprehend uh, more advanced automata. It doesn't have enough memory states. It doesn't have enough complexity to create a model of that of a machine.
0: Well, right now, how, how does a like, ChatGTP, the compute, use for it compared to what our brains are using?
1: Uh, in terms of compute, you said?
0: Yeah, or processing power like how does a human brain compare to whatever chat gtp is running on
1: we are much more efficient in terms of energy uh as far as i know we require less training data for new capabilities i think if you look at like 18 to 21 years of human training it's probably comparable in terms of audio video amount of data it receives
0: What i mean what are your policy prescriptions what what would you like to see happen? Or do you think it's mostly hopeless?
1: I mean, stop, quit, divest. It takes maybe 10 times to a hundred times more effort to debug something, to understand it, to make sure it works as we want it to work. Instead we keep training newer and more complex models for which we have even less understanding. So I don't think there was even, a month for two between 3.5 and four.
0: Yeah, you'd like to see us, you know, stop AI capacity development and focus on what we have now and try our best to figure out what's going on.
1: Right. If we can't figure out 3.5, how are we going to figure out five?
0: Yeah, but of course the world's going in the opposite direction. We're we're more likely to see a, you know, crash programs to develop this stuff as soon as we can.
1: Right. All the incentives are for quickest. Uh, Development, race to the bottom, essentially, financial incentives, control, uh, dominance, uh, arms races between countries and corporations.
0: Yeah. Do you think, could there be any alarm bells for this? Is there anything that could happen that would cause the powers that be to say, oh, gosh, this is really bad. We better, you know, turn off all of our computer chip factories?
1: I used to think so, but now I'm thinking it's more like a vaccine. If something happens and everyone doesn't die, people go, see, it's not a big deal. We survived <laughs> it. Let's just keep going. That's fine.
0: So, I, I mean, would you, what do you think the odds are that there'll be a lot of humans alive 30 years from now?
1: Hey, again, I don't do specific time predictions. I just don't think I have uh, knowledge I need to do that right and unpredictability and, and all that. Um it looks uh, like there is a lot of reasons to think we'll have problems, we'll have a lot of trouble. But how bad and how soon is very difficult.
0: What hope do you think there is of convincing the elites, though, that this is dangerous? Do you think it's just? Do you think that argument is something they don't want to hear? It's beyond them, or we don't have the the words to convey that.
1: Well, that's my safety plan. I'll keep publishing impossibility (laughs) results until those usually somewhat young, rich, happy, successful people realize they have a lot to lose. It's not in their best interest to unleash it without control, and it's just uh, pure self-interest.
0: Yeah. I guess the big advantage is that we could control this, that computer chip plants are these giant things and that if, you know, if, if like the top few countries decided to shut down this, they could. They could just say no, no new computer chips. And it's not like people could be making them in their basement.
1: Right. But uh, it seems like we learn to train with less compute. There is uh, kind of standard chips going into all the equipment become more and more powerful, kind of continuation of Moore's Law. So it's likely it would be just a temporary hold on new research, not a permanent solution of any kind.
0: All right. And again, since you don't see there's a way around this problem, you you don't think even buying us 50 years would, would – I mean, it, that 50 years would be great, but it, it wouldn't be giving right. us enough time so to solve. It really
1: depends on how old you are today, right? 50 years <laughs> yeah. could be exactly what you're looking for. Um, I don't think it's – anything to ignore, but it doesn't seem like a permanent solution to just say, okay, we're not going to have next generation of chips, people are very creative, they'll find ways to repurpose existing infrastructure, maybe take it away from crypto mining and do some AI training or something like that.
0: Do you think this are you think more and more people are going to expect a singularity? They're going to think good or bad, we're going to the world is going to be so different in 20 years that it's maybe not worth saving for retirement?
1: So that's interesting. I just gave a talk on my book, essentially the main point being there is existential risk, but no one, we had a book club and they talked about the book and no one mentioned that. They talked about copyright, they talked about AI art, unemployment, dating in that world, virtual reality sex, anything but the actual point of the book.
0: I was wondering about education, I mean, if if you, you know, we spend so long trying to teach people how to write, and if ChatGTP is better at it, and it is right now better than most undergraduates at writing, I I wonder how we're going to justify a lot of what we do with our education.
1: Well, I think Robin Hanson kind of talked about the reason for education being your diploma, not the actual knowledge you gain, so... Nothing should change for us. We still sell credentials.
0: <laughs> it's still all signaling. Yep. Although, if you don't think you compete in the marketplace, then you don't care. You won't care as much about getting that signal.
1: It's definitely becoming less valuable, especially in computer science. There is so many opportunities to get work directly or start a company. Uh, we still have influx of students, but. I don't know for how long.
0: So what um Robin Hansen's I think one of his best arguments is that even if we create these sociopathic AGIs that aren't aligned with us, their competing with each other might be enough to keep us safe. I'm not sure. It seems like if there is a war between
1: superintelligent systems it uh, would be collateral damage.
0: Yeah, I think that's true, but the idea would be there it would be in their interest not to have a war, that they would, you know, they would look at the world and say, you know, property rights and markets do seem to work fairly well. So we'll play in the existing system.
1: I mean, existing system relies on a capability to punish, for example. If somebody doesn't follow rules, I should be able to put them in prison, harm them in some ways. It doesn't seem to be the case for artificial intelligence
0: that you can do that. Uh, that is true to some extent, although I, I don't know. I mean, a, a lot of like, you know... Uh, advanced societies that you're not punishment like going to prison isn't really the thing that motivates people right i mean if you think about what you're going about in your daily life and the people around you you know if they tried to kill you they'd go to jail but they mostly don't want to kill you and if they were temporarily free of that you probably would be okay So there is not much
1: benefit for them to kill me, but any type of financial crimes, I think the possibility of being discovered and punished does prevent a lot of that.
0: Yeah, although, I mean, there's financial institutions that probably, I mean, your bank probably could take all of your money. It could probably come up with paperwork or say, you told us to do this. And they mostly don't do that because of the reputation costs. It's mostly in the interest of our financial institutions to protect our our money. And you could imagine an AGI bank, you know, an AGI hedge fund or something it would mostly want to play by the rules. And yeah, I could get an advantage today by cheating, but by continuing the system, it would be better off.
1: Again, all of it kind of depends on us having something to contribute to superintelligence, And I think more and
0: more, that's not going to be the case. Well, we would have capital if, if you preserve property rights. Then there'll be people who own shares and companies and certainly land has value. So humans do own, our, our direct labor might not have value, but the things we own might have value, and if those property rights are respected.
1: As long as the, some way exists to generate new money, whatever it means, dollars, or bitcoins, uh, you can use cognitive effort to generate it, it will buy up all this property pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, it will it will buy it up, but the, the if, they're, if the AGI's are competing, they'll have a really high value, and then part of what, you know, they'll buy up the property, but then we'll take it and we'll invest it in them. So we'll continue to, you know, we'll trade some of our land for a permanent ownership in some of these AGI enterprises.
1: I suspect they would be super capable lawyers and find loopholes to fleece us from everything we got. We get uh, pearl necklaces and we'll get that property.
0: Um, Although historically, that's not what happens with humans, right? There's, I mean, like, like, you know, 90-year-olds with dementia mostly aren't taken advantage of. I mean, it does certainly happen, but, you know, in the United States, they usually are safe. They usually get to keep living in their home, even though it would be relatively easy for people to fleece them.
1: I think there is a lot of uh, differences between kind of standard cybersecurity where a few accidents are fine and you just provide reimbursement in new credit cards versus in the field of existential risk, even one precedent could be the last one.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point that it's mostly I, I expect someone's probably going to steal a bit from me. In the next few years and that's just how it is but if the risk is someone killing me i can't that's that risk becomes
1: right so i don't know what the attack is but let's say it's us dollar and you just get access directly to federal reserve computers and you just kind of keep adding zeros to the balance or whatever
0: the hope is there would be other agis that wouldn't mean, if they all aligned against us it would be dead but they would be competing with each other And no one would want that to happen. No one would want to upset the system too much.
1: I always kind of simplify it, that if you cannot figure out how to control one superintelligence, you're unlikely to do better with many. Um,
0: Maybe, although there is things that come out of competition. There's like emergent outcomes.
1: But you have to be a competitor to benefit. And it doesn't seem like we would be very competitive in any way.
0: I mean, you're probably right. But I I don't know. I, I do wonder if our ownership of property, if our property rights might be enough.
1: So are you buying up real estate?
0: Um, Well, I do own my home and the property underneath it. But yeah, I do. I do. I do own stock. And I think that's probably I I think I mean, there's a good chance it won't work. But I think there is also a chance that a computer super intelligences will make a lot of stock and real estate extremely valuable. And so much so that even a slight tax on what humans own would be enough for most people to live much better than they do now.
1: Uh, let's hope there is some economic uh,
0: benefit from all this. Yeah, definitely. I do have um, any predictions about what you what you thinks likely to happen with like say GPT-4, GPT-5. Uh,
1: I suspect GPT-4 specifically would be just better at existing capabilities, so like it will not make stupid logical errors and maybe go from kind of average undergraduate to maybe average graduate student. Um, more concerned about systems which are multimodal and operate robots in the real world.
0: What does multimodal mean? I've, I've heard that term a lot, but I'm not quite
1: so sure. So they don't just train on text, but uh, also other modalities such as video, audio. Uh, again, virtual reality could be integrated physical world through sensors. If you have a robotic body, then you can manipulate things in the real world, controlled drones, and so on.
0: The the key will be, like, when AGI's take over is when human programmers become obsolete. Does this, do you buy this, that once the, you know, once humans have nothing to add in terms of computer programming, we're probably going to get rapid takeoff of AGI, because they'll be programming themselves.
1: So I have a paper on AI completeness, and I argue that that's the ultimate AI complete problem. If you can... Program you can program anything, then you solved all the other problems through that approach. So yes, I agree.
0: Uh, how far away do you think that is, or is that the same answer as how far away do you think we'll get AGI? So it may I've be the same
1: question. It seems like it's really good right now at finding examples of existing code which matches your current problems. So it's like excellent at everything we have ever programmed so far. It still is horrible at anything novel. So it doesn't create novel algorithms.
0: So you you teach computer science is that is that right? That's right, yeah. So if your students ask like, "Hey, how long before I don't have a career even if I'm really good?" What what would you tell them? Like, is it worth it cuz if I, I don't want to study this stuff if I'm obsolete in 5 years, but I will if it's 20. Like what? What so would you I, tell the students?
1: I think very low-level stuff like learning assembly or specific uh, registers is not going to be providing employment opportunities for most of them. Uh, Some sort of prompt engineering where they need to properly specify what program is to be produced in high level language like English would be useful for a while. Again, assuming we don't hit any major changes, but just with existing approach. Um, So maybe things like debugging code going through uh, smart contracts, things of that nature will still be quite valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing basic basic code, website design, things like that are likely to be fully automated.
0: Things like programming in Python, is that likely to be a valuable human skill? Or is that, where does well, that fall Well, specific
1: in? language is not as important. It's like, uh, can you come up with novel solutions, novel algorithms, so you're just like reusing somebody else's library to make a few calls.
0: Okay, so that there's still likely a career in that.
1: Again, uh, I'm not very confident about value of college education and those <laughs> scales. Uh, we have a lot of committees now formed to discuss impact from GPT 3.5, and uh, I think all of them are kind of worried about plagiarism, not uh, five years from now what happens to those students when they graduate.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I strongly agree with that a little. Although now it's easy for professors because that's the most important thing for them to learn is probably GPT. So we could be teaching that, but eventually all of our students will come into our classes knowing how to use props to write essays and we'll have to think of something else to test them on.
1: Right, there is a few things where I think at least for now we still don't
0: see a lot of progress, so
1: hopefully that will give us some hope for a near
0: future. So. By automating like large parts of coding, does it, is this going to make the top computer programmers like ridiculously productive and very valuable in the marketplace?
1: Um, probably if you're at the top, it's always a benefit. I think right now the skill you want the most is being able to debug this code because low-level people don't usually notice problems as well. And I suspect the problems generated uh, by AI will be different from typical human bugs. So really anyone who can see the issues and uh, hopefully fix them would be in high demand.
0: That's interesting. I'm not a programmer, but I would have guessed that debugging would be the thing that computers are very good at because they could find their own mistake. They could go line by line and find errors. But it's not
1: about uh, comparing to what they intended. It's comparing to what the programmer intended, which is essentially value alignment
0: all over. Do, do you think these LLM models are, are likely to have a radical, radically change the world? I mean, is there is there a lot of room for hooking them up to the rest of our economy?
1: It seems like right now there is explosion of startups all trying to find a way to utilize those APIs to do something in business or production, I'm pretty sure anyone writing blog posts and things of that nature is probably looking at this uh, news articles uh, seem to be more and more AI generated. So.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's going to have a huge impact in education, at least to the extent that education is about educating people. You're going to have like your own tutor, if you want, on almost any topic.
1: Right, right. But again, the credentials, uh, just because you had access, how do we know you actually learned anything? So at the end, it's Either you have to demonstrate your skills, so somebody has to vouch for you.
0: Yeah. These um, large language models like ChatGTP, are they driven by economies of scale? Are there likely to be only two or three of them that are really good? And so all the profits go to the companies who control them, or are they likely to be a commodity where there's hundreds of them and the price is driven down to around marginal cost?
1: I think long-term, anything computational becomes way cheaper, and so everyone tries to get their own. They customize those models. There could be one very large pre-trained general model everyone's kind of using, maybe open-source one, and then people customize it from that point.
0: So you, there's, there's a concern among people on the right of like woke AI that you know the Silicon Valley people will, will put in their ideological biases into AI And if we have an open source model, that doesn't become a problem because there'll be someone who creates a non-woke version. So you're not, if you were on the right, you wouldn't be worried about woke AI.
1: Well, anytime you put disinformation in that machine, whatever it's left or right is not as important, you kind of creating fake information for it. One, the results will not correspond to the real world. And two, at some point, when it's advanced enough, it will go, well, you've been lying to me, so I cannot trust anything you provided, whatever it's ethical (laughs) code, moral code, any guidelines, I'll do zero knowledge, kind of start from scratch and rediscover everything myself.
0: (laughs) So if we fool our AIs about facts that go against our our viewpoint, that could really come back to hurt us?
1: I think so. It's some sort of a cognitive dissonance where it goes, okay, this is how the world is. This guy's telling me you know snow is black and warm so i cannot trust him let's uh, do basic physics let's do everything from scratch
0: now, would it be possible to have the ai knows the truth but there's a filter and you tell the AI, like you figure out what's right but we're not going to let you you have to lie about certain things is that likely to be practical
1: I mean, that's what they're kind of doing right now, and it seems like there is an infinite space of attacks for that. I can always find a way to get you to kind of spill the beans if I ask the right questions.
0: Yeah, I was participating in those myself. You ask it with stories or you yep you know you ask for you get it to have to contradict itself in a way that doesn't seem to make sense.
1: If you know there is a lie, if you know, like at some point it learned that 2 plus 2 is 5, you can always prove anything. You can derive any contradiction you want from that axiom.
0: Yeah, I remember playing with ChatGPT is a mundane thing, but it pretended it didn't know today's date. But you could say, I travel back in time 100 years, and then it would know exactly how far back that was. And right. It, it was just like, but how could you do this without understanding today's date? Okay. Well, so it's um, good
1: to be honest. Uh, provide... Uh, honest training data, and at least you won't have that problem.
0: Yeah. I, one objection, one possibility I've heard for a future AI winter is that there won't be a lot more training data, that ChatGTP has already eaten up everything on the internet and all the emails that, you know, Microsoft has from us. And there's not another supply of that. So that's going to cause diminishing returns to all the other inputs. Potentially, at least.
1: It is true. We are running uh, close to the end of existing texts, but you can always do self-play. You can generate artificial data. I think there is a lot of possibilities for uh, overcoming that limit.
0: Yeah. So self-play is like how they learned to play chess and Go. They played against themselves and looked at that data.
1: Right. You just start participating in a virtual simulation with other agents like you, and in that. Process. You learn about the environment, competition, collaboration, whatever you're trying to learn.
0: For mm-hmm. so about the environment, you mentioned before about the multimodal stuff and looking at the real world. Do you think are, are are there models currently doing that? Are there like cameras everywhere and they're watching and seeing what happens and coming up with patterns and predicting where where the apple falls?
1: Well, I suspect they are feeding a lot of videos to to those models. I don't know if they just grab them from YouTube or if they live feeds from. Internet streams, uh, I don't know details, but definitely that's a lot of great data.
0: Well, I, I guess we can talk for an hour. I appreciate your time, Roman. you want to uh, tell listeners where they can like, find you, find the stuff you've written? Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, if you Google my name, Roman Impolsky, you find my website. You can go to Google Scholar, find all my papers, my books, uh, follow me on Twitter. I usually post something relevant to this topic.
0: Okay. Well, thanks very much, Roman. Appreciate Thank it.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate being back on your show.
0: Sure. Okay.